Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Okay, so... Uh, I've come to bring a Mother's Day message, but I want to talk about Jesus. Is that okay? (laughs) But to begin with, I was thinking about um, what it looks like to be a mum and all the different kinds of jobs that you have as a mum. And I'm sure there would be other mums in the room that would agree with me that sometimes you feel like a jack of all trades. Like you've got to be an expert in so many different things and you get called on um, for skills that you never knew you had. And uh, I know that for me it has stretched me in a good way, in that way, but um, I just wanted to kind of share with you some of the the jobs that I do as a mum, um, in my role as a mum in my house. I'm a chef. I don't know. I don't know if I think I'm a very good one, but I am. They eat my food, so that's good. I'm the cleaner. I'm an Uber driver, which has just become. I should be getting paid because I would be very rich at the moment. I'm an advocate, a coach, a teacher, a mediator, a planner, a listener, a nurturer, a nurse, a manager, a Google expert, because we all know that if you don't know the answer, you go to Google to find out, Uh, a carpenter and a plumber, yes, true story, and the team thought that they uh, could display that with a very beautiful montage of me doing some of my jobs and even my kids. I'm glad my kids aren't in that middle one where they're fighting, but... My kids even get, and Corey's up there too. How cool is that? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) all to say that um, it's true. There's many different kinds of jobs that we do as a mum, roles that we play in the lives of our kids. And uh, it's really important what we do as a mum. But what is more important is who we are. And uh, I really believe that how I live, how I love God, how I treat others is such an important part of being a mum. So it's not so much what I do, that's important, and I'm sure that if I didn't do some of those things that there would be catastrophe at home. Um, But who I am matters more. And who I am comes from the example of Jesus. And we all need this example in our lives. And so I wanted to share a bit about that today. I wanted to talk about Jesus. I wanted to lift him up in this message. And the title of my message today is called All Eyes on Jesus. And so my prayer is that as we share together, as we open the word, you wouldn't see me, but you would see the reflection of Jesus coming through in the words uh, of scripture today. What I am always so struck with about Jesus is how he loved people, how he treated the outcast, the dishonored, the forgotten and the lost, how he treated the prominent, the rich, the successful. All of this tells us a story about how good Jesus truly is. And we see it all through the Gospels, don't we? We see stories and encounters and exchanges that Jesus has with all kinds of different people. And as you and I follow the example of Jesus, um, we need to understand that it's easy for us to love the lovable, to love those who are like us, to serve those who don't demand too much from us, to spend time with those we have things in common with. That's not the only example of Jesus we see, the kinds of people that he interacted with. And as we are growing to become more like Jesus, I pray that we would grow in our reflection of him, the way we love people, the way we serve them, the way we treat them with what God has given us. 
And that's not so that we can become greater or acknowledged or honoured or lifted up, but so that Jesus would be seen through us and people would be drawn to that in us and they would encounter him because of how we reflect him in our lives. I like to think that each time I come to the Gospels and I read about Jesus, that I learn something new about who he is, that there's a deeper understanding of how good he truly is. Because I think Jesus is way better than you and I think. That there is always more that we can learn in this area. And so who Jesus is changes who I am. It should make a difference to the kind of person that I am, how I walk out this life, the choices that I make, how I treat people, how I love people. And particularly today as we um, are here and it is Mother's Day, I wanted to look at some of these examples of the women that Jesus encountered in the Bible. It was truly remarkable how he engaged with them. And there is the woman who was caught in adultery. We know about uh, some of her story and the way that Jesus embraced her and extended grace to her and also did that in front of other people, the way that he uh, was able to um, kind of you know, show them and demonstrate to them the love of God for her. There's the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, who was, you know, encountered Jesus in such a profound way. I I think about that and I am moved with um, so much emotion at the way that he interacted with her, the way that he let her know that he knew her and understood her. And she was actually the first person that Jesus explicitly told that he was the Messiah. How cool is that? The woman with the alabaster jar of perfume, this beautiful way that she uh, interacted with Jesus in this space that she was not even welcome to sit at the table where he was having dinner and she just sat in the shadows in the background. But in Jesus' presence, she was so overcome and overwhelmed by who he was that she just had to anoint his feet with this expensive perfume and then her tears also began to fall. I just find that such a beautiful way that uh, Jesus embraced her. You know, as we look through the, the Bible and we think about the women in that time, women had a good beginning in Bible times. God created women with dignity and value. An early civilization acknowledged this. They recognized the image of God on her. Her presence, her contribution, her leadership was demonstrated over and over again in the text. We see that. Women like Eve and Miriam and Deborah and Esther and Ruth, they were held in honor and respect in their communities. However, by the time that Jesus was born, we see that the world had shifted a little. There had been a change, particularly with many things, but particularly for our purposes today, around the standing and the respect that women had in society. It had shifted from this place of honour and inclusion to shame and isolation in some instances. When Jesus was born, it was not faring well for the women. He came and he contradicted this way of thinking by bringing justice and righteousness to all people, including women. By noticing them and embracing them, he treated them with compassion and empathy and this brought a generous lifting up of them in their society once more. Jesus is way better than you think. 
So I wanted to take some time on Mother's Day to look at a particular encounter. We've already mentioned a few, but I wanted to share with you about the woman with the issue of blood and how it was that Jesus embraced her, how he engaged with her, and how we understand more how good Jesus truly is. So why don't you turn to your Bible? I brought my Bible, honey, today. Uh, In the book of Mark, chapter 5, We're starting at verse 25. If you don't have your Bible, it's all good. It's going to be on the screen on the side there. So why don't you follow along starting at verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and had come up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. I love that. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. You know, some of the context for the time that she was living in, as I've already alluded to, was that according to Jewish law, this issue of blood rendered her unclean, but not just that she was unclean, but that she was to be isolated from her community. And so this wasn't just a physical suffering that she was enduring, but this actually affected her day-to-day living amongst her people. She was not allowed to attend the temple to worship which means she was effectively cut off from her community of faith for the place that she would go and she would hear the word of God and she would receive. She had no place to go for support and refuge. The religious community, supposedly the people of God, had turned their back on her and avoided her. And so in this kind of a culture, she was considered to be socially dead. And for a hugely communal culture, which the Jewish culture were, this was torture for her. Even her family members would not have been allowed to touch her or comfort her. And if they did, they would have had to undergo a ritual cleansing ceremony in order to make them clean again. What would this world have been like for this woman? What do you think was her greatest pain and shame? It wasn't just physical. It wasn't just um, the the ailments that she suffered from, but it it was emotional and it was spiritual. And then she gets a chance to reach out for Jesus. Can you consider with me what it would have meant for her to do that in this moment? She'd been isolated and scorned. She'd been rejected by her own community, the people of God. And she didn't have access to the same spiritual teaching that she needed and that others had. And so I believe it took a significant amount of faith, a significant amount of risk for her to do this. 
But what I see in this woman is that she so believed in who Jesus was, what she had heard about him, what she knew him to be, who the character of, of him was, that she took him at his word and not according to the example of those around her. She asserted her own belief in Jesus and that he was who he said he was. And regardless of all that she had been through, she placed her hope in God and his character and not in any man. You know, just that alone, if we just pause for a moment, is worth us pondering for a few moments longer. She was in this community where the people of God, those who were leaders in the, in the community of faith, when we're not demonstrating the love and the character of God. But she didn't allow that to stop her from pursuing Jesus, from encountering him. And so we can learn from that, that even when the man of woman or woman of God in our own lives let us down, we can still remain strong in our faith and in our hope in God. That's good news for us today. And so how did Jesus respond to her? He turns towards her. He actually looks for her because there's so many people there. He turns towards her. He heals her and he brings her back to life within her community. The restoration of Jesus isn't just about restoring her physically. He delivers healing to her body, but there is something more that takes place. He restores her fully. Jesus not only allowed an unclean woman to touch him, but he also speaks words of life and hope and affirmation over her. He doesn't dismiss her or condemn her. What I wanted us to do today, that as we read this text, as we ponder upon it, as we take time to meditate upon who Jesus is and what it is that he is doing in this story, I just wanted us to understand that I've come to learn that the Western lens of reading and learning from Scripture has a lot to do with what we can learn about ourselves, what we can learn and apply in our own life. And there isn't actually anything wrong with that. I think there's, there's a lot of, of goodness in that. We need to use the Word of God as a way to guide and direct our lives. But I want to propose to you today that as we come to the Word of God, we would take more of a Middle Eastern lens today. And the, the way that they learn and read from Scripture is that it has more to do with what we can learn about God and who He is. And so our question would be, what does this teach me about God? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this text and we're going to see the reflection, the image of Jesus today with this woman. And one of the first things that is so evident in this story is that she, she does whatever it takes in order to encounter Jesus. When we seek Jesus, he meets us right where we are. And then he miraculously transforms our lives forever. How beautiful is that? The woman with the issue of blood had every reason to stay home. It was a big deal for her to leave her house, leave her safety and to seek out Jesus. But such was her hunger, such was her desire to encounter him that her pain and her shame and the rejection and isolation, it didn't compare to her need to meet Jesus. And Jesus could have ignored her. He could have made little of their meeting. He could have kept walking even though he felt some power go from him. And I think that day that no one in the crowd would have uttered a word if Jesus had chosen to dismiss the seeking heart of this unclean woman. 
because it was culturally acceptable and it was actually even preferred that he would have chosen to ignore her. But one of the compelling distinctive things about Jesus is his ability to respond to a seeking, hungry heart. Jeremiah 29.13 says it here, Then you will call upon me, you and I, and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, says God. You will seek me and find me, and when you search me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is who our Jesus is. Matthew 5.6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You are blessed when you are hungry. And you are filled by the presence of God. I've learned in many seasons of my own life that when I understand that my response in a trial or a challenge or a hard season is simply to seek God, to show up with Jesus, to bring myself just as I am with a heart of surrender, it is there that truly God meets me. It is there that I can truly be myself and that is really what I can only ever do in terms of coming to God. I mean, he's God. I can't expect that I can do that work that only he can do in me. I cannot do the interior work of God in my own life. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you is able to complete it. You and I are not meant to be the ones who can complete our own transformation. It isn't up to us. We don't have to strive. We don't have to strain. We don't have to have all the answers before we come to seek Jesus. It's all his work in us. The weaknesses we see in ourselves, the wrestles of our flesh, the temptations that we face, the brokenness that we need healing from, it's not up to us to do the work that is needed. This is the work of God. And who are we to even think that we can do that work? We show up, we surrender, we confess and we repent, we offer our hearts to him and then we partner with the Holy Spirit as he does his good work in us. This woman who sought out Jesus, she simply dared to believe that from all the rejection and judgment and isolation she had faced, the things that she had heard about Jesus were true and that was her hope. That was her hunger. That was her motivation for pursuing Jesus, the encounter with Jesus, with whatever it would take. She didn't wait until she was perfect or that she was in a good place in her life. She didn't hold herself back because it was hard. She simply showed up to find Jesus. She was in the midst of her pain and in her trial. And she lived a hard life, but she still came to seek Jesus and he met her right there. It's the same for you and I. We don't need to wait until we have it all together. The point is not that you do. The point is that you come to meet with Jesus every day. You know, being a mum, especially I can remember when the kids were little, they actually believed that I could do anything to help them. Just call out for mum and she'll fix everything. You can't find your school uniform? Ask mum. Block the toilet with toilet paper, call mum. Broken the window blinds in your room, mum will fix it. These may or may not be real life examples. <laughs> Don't tell them that I actually have to Google things to learn how to do all this stuff, but that's where I get my information from. But whether or not I could fix everything for them, my kids had this confidence that I would come, that I would meet them and I would help them. 
this is way more true for our God. We have Jesus who can truly make us whole and is always ready and wanting to meet with us right where we are now. You know, the cool thing about who Jesus is is that he is the instigator, he's the sustainer, and he is the finisher of the work in us. We just need to partner with the Holy Spirit as that takes place. The Bible says that when we seek God, we will find him. That's an assurance today. That's a promise to us today. And he invites us to come just as we are, which I love. And when we do this, he doesn't just see our brokenness and pain. Because Jesus doesn't look at what man sees. He looks at the heart. The woman with the issue of blood was already labelled and judged by those who were supposed to love and care for her. She'd already been scorned and told she was unclean so many times that it had become a part of how she saw herself. It had become a part of her identity. And by all accounts, this woman lived a life of isolation and a life of rejection because of something she couldn't even control or change. She was forced to live according to what man saw and what man said about her. And her life was limited and restricted according to these views. It dictated what she could and couldn't do because of what man looked at. But Jesus, Jesus sees what man sees and then he sees some more, way more about us. He doesn't ignore or overlook the ugly parts, the surface parts of who we are, but he sees who we are, our hidden and our known parts. He sees who God created us to be and he sees who we are growing to be. The fullness of this picture that Jesus sees makes our lives so much bigger. There is more to you and I than our looks or our mistakes, our past or our pain. And these things are not to be dismissed as not being a part of who who we are. They are important. They are a part of us. But the beauty of how Jesus sees us is the freedom that you and I need to walk in. Have you ever eaten or known of a picnic bar? You know that chocolate? I love it. It's famous for being known as the ugly chocolate. And I don't know how any chocolate can actually be ugly, but maybe it's because it's bumpy and it's uneven and it's got this kind of clustered appearance. It's been labelled that way. But there is more to it than we see. (laughs) And if we just looked at the appearance, we wouldn't get to enjoy the goodness of the, the creamy nougat and the wafer biscuit and the peanuts with the chocolate. It's way better than it looks, isn't it? Well, God sees us more than that. He sees us more than we see ourselves. The Bible says God knows our thoughts, our hearts. He even knows the number of the hairs on our head. He knows our fears, our hopes. He even knows the motivations of our hearts. He knows your past. He knows your future. God knows you better than you know yourself. Psalm 139.6 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. To be known that deeply by someone is incredible. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. This is how intimately he knows us. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. When we understand that Jesus knows us that much all the way through and he still loves us, it truly frees us. 
to be ourselves and to walk in the fullness of God is his design for us. As we meet with Jesus and he transforms us and his perfect love reminds us that we are known and loved, all of that could not take place if it wasn't for what Jesus has done for us. Jesus restores us and has restored us to the right standing with God. And this is one of the most miraculous things of all. What matters more than our standing with people is our right standing with God. Jesus restores both to this woman. He turns her dishonour and shame in her community to justice and righteousness by noticing her and by responding to her need. In a culture that is highly marked by honour and shame, Jesus' love demonstrated to this woman was outrageous. Many things in this culture were measured according to how they either brought honour or shame to you and your family. And then as we see in this story, this would then determine your right standing in the community, determine what you could and couldn't do in your life. But Jesus, Jesus turns toward this woman and it changes her destiny. Jesus looks at her through the eyes of the Father's love and he fully restores her, fully restores her. I think many of us, we may not have endured the shame, the rejection that this woman lived with for many years. And so the weight of this may mean that we kind of find it difficult to fully comprehend what it is that she was living with and and what it took for her to respond But for us in our comfortable and safe lifestyles, we may not encounter this same kind of treatment, this same kind of experience. But I am most challenged as I read about this woman's encounter and try to imagine the significance of this type of rejection and this type of isolation that she experienced. I begin to understand how miraculous it truly is what Jesus did for her, how he came to her, how he responded to her need And how he does that for us as well. The cost, the sacrifice, the price, the rejection he endured, the misunderstanding he suffered. And the the atrocities that Jesus endured all for my sake. So that I would be able to meet him. So that I would be able to come with my heart just as I am to Jesus and pour out my life before him. Jesus did it all to ensure our eternal life was assured and our relationship with our Father was possible. Jesus has made us right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, being Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. This is a gift that we receive from Jesus that can only come through Jesus. It means we can pray and we can talk to God. It means we can worship him in spirit and truth. It means we can hear his voice and follow his word. It is because of Christ that we are made clean and whole. It is because of Christ that we are justified and restored. And just as I come to a close of this message today, I want us to turn to Colossians. Corey read it earlier on. It's one of my favorite parts of scripture when I'm thinking about who Christ is and his incredible, incredible character. So if you can read that with me in Colossians chapter 1, I want to read it again to us, starting at verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And him, Jesus, is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All our eyes are on Jesus. That's how I wanted to conclude today's message. But it really isn't a conclusion for us, is it? It's not an ending. It's a, it's a way that we live our lives every single day. That we would commit to um, starting our day, fixing our eyes firmly upon Jesus. That we would seek to know him and to love him and to live for him. We must keep this as the most important thing that we do with our lives. All else will follow this one thing. To be the kind of person who consistently and faithfully keeps showing up to meet with Jesus no matter what it takes. To come with an open and honest heart for him to deal with. And to remain steadfast in our relationship with God because it is the gift of our salvation. This is what Jesus teaches us today about who God is. I want to invite you to stand to your feet as I pray with you this morning. Father God, we stand humbled before you today in this moment. As we read your word, as we see the example of Jesus, we worship him. We honour him. And God, I just pray that as we have taken some time to ask the question, what does this teach me about you? God, that you would indeed speak so profoundly to us that transforms our thinking, that transforms our hearts, that we wouldn't choose to just stay the same or just to keep being comfortable, but we would allow the Holy Spirit to come and move us and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters here, God, that you would continue to speak profoundly to them, that you would have your way, and that in all things, God, you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, 
We would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.